Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again to jump into the black and gold DeLorean and go back in time with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com to Steelers yesteryear and another fantastic game. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me, it is the one and only BTSC Hall of Famer, Tony Defio, and we are going back to one of our favorite all-time years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was it a Super Bowl year? No, but it was something that shaped our childhood, and we love to go ahead and share it with you. Tony, I can't wait to do this game, my friend. How are you? I'm great. 1984, it wasn't a Super Bowl year, but it was surprisingly close. The movie Stand By Me, Tony, always talks about the great times you had when you were 12 years old. It's like the end of your childhood, the beginning of your teens. Even though you're still a child, it's just a fantastic time. 1984 remains one of my favorite all-time years. The music was fantastic. The movies were great. The sports were great. And you're growing up. You're figuring things out. And that's what I think about when I think of 1984 and how the Steelers were a very young team. 12 draft picks that year. And they were figuring it out. There was a definite fallout from the four championships and six seasons that came to a stop after that super 70s run, Tony. But it still happens to be a favorite decade of mine. And I know it's one of yours. And it sparks plenty of pleasant memories for both of us. Now, I was eight. And I know you were too when the 80s began. And I just unwittingly expected the run to continue. You know, guys like Jack Lambert, Mel Blunt, Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris were still larger than life to me. But Chuck Knoll's dynasty was showing their age, and the Steelers only reached the playoffs four times in that decade, as guys like Rocky Blyer, Jack Ham, Joe Green were hanging up their cleats. From 1982 to 1984, though, 
that's when my fandom set in tony what about you oh yeah i was hooked uh right from the very beginning after super bowl 14 that's when i that's when it all started for me and and that's when the expectation started but but i was put uh I, I was brought back down to reality pretty quickly the following two seasons when they missed the playoffs so 84 was was the most special it's something uh looking back on it i, I still can't believe they made it that far but but i to the people, like to the adults at that time, they were, they were probably they probably still had those expectations, and they probably were still waiting for that one for the thumb, even five years after after the uh, fourth one. The Steelers made the postseason three straight years, and this was due to still having a handful of those '70s legends mixing in with new blood, and playing in a subpar division that was a very bad AFC Central at the time. But the run of picking late in the first round through all of the trophy years really helped aid that decline. Now, before the season, that was 1984, the Steelers saw Terry Bradshaw retire and the Franco who incident with Franco Harris's holdout ending up in Seattle for the legend of the Steelers. As Chuck Knoll said once again, Franco who times were changing and the dynasty days were seeming further and further away. But those were still some memorable days like we keep on saying. Let's set the time circuits of the DeLorean to October 14th, 1984. Stevie Wonder was topping the charts with I Just Called to Say I Love You. Miami Vice was making white linen suits and owning an alligator for a pet popular. I tried the white linen suit, Tony, but my mom and dad would not let me have an alligator named Elvis. What about you? Were you in a Miami Vice? I was into the show uh, for a, a few years there, but my fashion sense in the 80s was something that... I wore sweatpants all throughout high school. That's all you need to know about me. <laughs> there we go. The Detroit Tigers defeated the San Diego Padres in the 81st edition of the World Series, which happened on this very same day, October 14th, 1984. And Ronald Reagan was in the final stages of campaigning for his landslide victory over Walter Mondale a few weeks later. The 6-0 49ers were the hottest team in football and they were already being talked about as a historic team that could go 19-0. and That week, 15 49ers, a year before the Bears released the Super Bowl Shuffle, recorded a song on vinyl called We're the 49ers. I do not remember that song, but I'm going to look it up on YouTube, Tony. Yeah, I, I think I saw that on their uh, uh, America's Game uh, sh episode about that year. But I had no idea that that, that that even existed. You know, like you, I, the only one I think of is, is, is the Super Bowl shuffle a year later with the Bears. Huey Lewis was a huge 49ers fan coming from Marin County, California, and they sang back up. I know Dwayne Board, Joe Montana, Dwight Clark, a few others on Hip to Be Square a few years later. Now, Coach Bill Walsh was beginning to worry that his team was getting distracted. The Steelers, on the other hand, were just destroyed 31-7 to another undefeated team against Dan Marino's Dolphins. So here we go. Let's start off this game. After the Osmond siblings of Donnie and Marie performed the national anthem, the Steelers' adventure that day at famed Candlestick Park began by being eight-point underdogs, and they would go ahead and take the opening kickoff Todd Spencer received that kick after a short gain on first down by Rich Ehrenberg, who was a rookie out of Colgate that year. Frank Pollard, he advanced the chains after a 14-yard gain. Completions to John Stallworth, Ouija Thompson, and runs by Ehrenberg, Pollard, and Abercrombie got the ball down to the 49ers too. Rich Ehrenberg, 
He took the ball in for the score, just like that, Tony. It was seven to nothing. It was the first time in five games that the Steelers scored in the first quarter with 839 left in the first. The black and gold led seven to nothing after Mark Malone engineered a 12 play 78 yard opening drive. Tony, this was landmark because you would see that they almost took seven minutes off of the clock and they did that all game with drives that just kept the 49ers and their high-powered offense off of the field. First touchdown, Richie Ehrenberg, thoughts? Chuck, no, he had Mark Malone in there who was taking the place of David Woodley at that time. You know, He would later on become the starter, but at the time he was the backup. So this was a dream come true for Chuck Noll and, and just how he drew it up in practice, I'm sure. And Rich Ehrenberg, I mean, he was part of that 1984 class and included uh, Louis Lips and Weedy Thompson that showed promise that, you know, maybe would, would get them out of the uh, early 80s doldrums. So Rich Ehrenberg at that time was, was quickly becoming a fan favorite. Uh, he showed that on this drive with that touchdown. And others that we're going to talk about in this game as well, Tony. Good point. The 49ers behind the leading passer in the NFC went to work, and you know his name, it's Joe Montana, after passes to Dwight Clark, Roger Craig, and Mike Wilson, along with runs by Tyler, got the 49ers down to the 34-yard line. Here comes the old Wiley veteran Ray Wershing. He nails a 51-yard field goal, but an illegal formation wiped it out, and San Francisco had to punt instead. Taking three points off the board, Tony, big deal? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the Steelers, they're the eight point underdogs in this game and, and they marched the, uh, the the ball down the field on their first drive and score a touchdown. It looks like the 49ers are going to do the same thing and they don't even come away with three points. That had to be a huge confidence boost for, for them at that point of the game. It really was, but the Steelers took the ball back here. They could not do anything with it. Craig Colk would punt and the 49ers would take the ball over and Montana went deep for a sure score to Mike Wilson. But Dwayne Woodruff, the judge, tipped the ball away as the first quarter expired with the Steelers up by the score of 7 to nothing. To start the second quarter, the Steelers would set up shop at their own 17 after a Max Runniger punt. Right away, Malone would fire off a 19-yarder to Stallworth. The 13th-ranked Steelers offense continued to move the chains with runs by Pollard and Abercrombie and passes to Rich Ehrenberg and Greg Garrity out of Penn State. Remember Garrity, Tony? But I remember him. He was a nice uh, receiver for them for a couple years. Number 86. But the Steelers couldn't get past the 31 of San Fran. They had to resort to a 48-yard field goal by Gary Anderson. With 7.33 remaining in the half, the Steelers led 10 to nothing. What a shocking turn of events for the Steelers to be up by the score of 10 to nothing, Tony. Uh, before you can uh, win the game, you have to learn not to lose it. And, and one of the ways to do that is by controlling the, 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 the clock and the line of scrimmage. And, and they were doing that on this drive. And, and who would have thought it at that time, especially coming off of uh, rubbing at home at the hands of the Dolphins a week earlier. Montana came out looking to get the 49ers on the Candlestick Park scoreboard. Disaster almost struck on that very first play when Roger Craig fumbled for a loss on first down and he barely recovered the ball. But Joe Cole would start spreading the ball around with passes to Wendell Tyler, Roger Craig, Earl Cooper, and the legend Russ Francis. With 109 left in the first half, Montana called his own number on the bootleg. He rolled right and evaded Mike Merriweather for the touchdown. Just like that, the lead was cut to three, and it's 10 to seven. 
Montana was able to beat you with his legs too, Tony. He would go on to, I think he, he set a record at that time for yards by a quarterback in the Super Bowl. I think it was like 64 yards or something. But he was a very underrated runner, very crafty, very smooth. They called him Joe Cool for a reason. And he looked that way. Every, anytime he ran to, he always looked like he was in total control. And that was a, it was a great read by him to take it himself and, and, and go in for a score and get his team back in the game. In the third quarter, the Niners would get the football first. Montana went deep to Russ Francis, who was well covered by Donnie Shell. They called pass interference inexplicably on this play, but it didn't matter as Francis hauled in the ball with a tremendous catch. Montana would go deep again to Mike Wilson, but Eric Williams broke it up, and soon San Francisco, on what looked like a promising drive, had to punt. The Steelers would get the ball back deep in their own territory at the eight, and they would move the ball again with the Malone relying on the legs of Pollard and the hands of Stallworth. After a hold on third down gave the Steelers new life, number 16 and company were on the move again. Eric Wright would get called for another penalty on that very drive. He had a rough time in this game, Tony. This time, it was a pass interference on a ball thrown to John Stallworth. But holds on Larry Brown and Chris Kolejewski, a Dwayne Board sack of Malone, a fumble and a near interception, stopped the 749 second drive. Colquitt had to come into punt. And what boy, Tony, it was third and 39 for the Steelers on this series. But something that we really need to look at here was Eric Wright, who was a very good player for the 49ers in that backfield, was struggling with the wily veteran John Stallworth all game long, Tony. He certainly was. And John, we, we talk a lot, lot about Louis Lips that 1984 season, his rookie year. And he certainly may be my favorite stealer ever. But John Stallworth, he was clearly the uh, the superstar of the two receivers that year. He had, I think, 85 catches. He, he was named comeback player of the year. And there's a reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. Eric Wright had his hands fall on this day. And he, he would never really be able to solve John Stallworth the entire game. Absolutely. And the only Hall of Fame ceremony I've ever attended was John Stallworth. But you know what? Wright was having problems with him. And Lewis Lips was not in this game. I failed to mention that at the beginning. He was out and injured Mm -hmm. for this game. So it was basically Stallworth on an island. Even though you had players like Ouija Thompson in there, Wayne Capers, you had other receivers. It was the John Stallworth show. And the veteran really made it happen in this game, Tony. He certainly did, and, and I and I forgot about that as well. Louis Lips wasn't in this game, and and there really were no, no other dangerous weapons passing uh, targets for for Malone to go to. So for for Stallworth to have the kind of game he did, uh, that speaks volumes to the kind of legend that he was. Yes, it does. And let's go ahead and uh, speak volumes by taking a break, listening to this message, and we will be back right after this on the Steelers Retro Show. It's Steelers, it's 49ers, it's 1984, and it is awesome. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Steelers Retro Show. Brian Anthony Davis here along with Tony Defio. We are in San Francisco in 1984. It is the very same day that the Detroit Tigers won the World Series over the San Diego Padres, a team I was actually rooting for back then. And... It was a day that the San Francisco 49ers came in 6-0. and The Steelers, the week before, they were embarrassed by a score of 31-7. to So back-to-back games with the cream of the crop of the league, they're out west. It just does not seem like a good situation for the Steelers. But they were up in this game, Tony. Steeler fans were feeling good, but cautiously optimistic as they knew what Joe Montana could do, Tony. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but, but as you said, they, they, they had to be feeling good. And you know, this is what Chuck no wanted this is what, what, what they wanted uh, as a team. You wanted to keep the score low. You wanted to keep the 49ers offense at high powered offense led by Joe Montana off the field as, as, as much as possible. And they were doing that in the first half. And it, it was almost textbook for what you wanted for a team that was an eight point underdog with, with, with its backup quarterback in the game. On the next possession, Montana would get Big plays by Dwight Clark, Roger Craig, and two by himself with his legs, once again, to get deep into Steelers territory at the 14-yard line as time expired in that third quarter. The Steelers were lucky enough to stop the 49ers, and they had to settle for a Ray Wershing field goal to nod the score at 10-10. They would not be done, though, Tony. Malone made a huge mistake in this game and it would happen right here. Malone would throw an errant pass over the middle that was picked off by Keena Turner, who would rumble for 19 yards down to the Steelers 20 yard line. Now she had a huge year that year, Tina Turner. This was not Tina. This was not the private dancer. This was Keena Turner and Keena's saying, you better be good to me as he was rumbling down the field. My gosh, they're at the Steelers 20, just like that. A few plays later, Wendell Tyler scampered in from seven yards out as the 6-0-9ers took a 17-10 lead. And with 10-48 left, it looked like the Cinderella Steelers were about to run out of magic, Tony. I was starting to worry at this point. Yeah, I was too. Uh, A team like the Steelers that was compromised uh, was certainly less talented than the 49ers. They needed to be almost perfect, and they were. Malone was for the most part up until this point. He didn't see, he didn't see Kina Turner and, and Turner. He, he might've been, he might not have been Tina Turner, but he was certainly a big hit on this play. And he provided, he provided the opportunity for his team to take a, a seven point lead. And it seemed like at that point, maybe the Steelers number w- would be up but as we're about to find out they, they were a Brazilian bunch in 1984. Absolutely. And Chuck Knoll's team, they were scrappy. And this was one of Chuck Knoll's best coaching jobs. Even though they didn't win the whole thing that year, he took so many young players and formed a fantastic team that really believed in themselves. With a first down and 10 on the 16, a hold by Tunch Ilkin. He had a rough day today. 
he set the Steelers back to the eight yard line. But on first and 19, Aaron Berg ran for 16. And then Pollard rolled off one for 13 as the Steelers, they stayed on the ground. But next, Malone decided to say, hey, I've got an arm too, boys. Here we go. He took to the air for a first down to Wayne Capers to cross midfield for the Steelers. After the run game kept the chains moving, Malone located Chris Kolejewski for 21 yards down to the seven-yard line. I believe Kolejewski was a number two pick that year. And number 84 went down and had to come out of the game with an apparent knee injury. Now, this was bad news for the Steelers and for Kolejewski because they had no tight ends left. Benny Cunningham was on injured reserve that entire season. What would they do? Well, we'll tell you in a little bit, Tony. But Kolejewski was playing tough. He was another rookie on that team, Tony, that was really making things work for the Steelers. Absolutely. He was part of that, that rookie class that showed a lot of promise. Uh, not just Louis Lips, uh, but obviously Rich Ehrenberg, Weegee Thompson, Kolejewski. It was a good young class. They needed him to step up on, on this day because of Benny Cunningham. And unfortunately, he got hurt and he had to leave. The Steelers would, would ultimately find a way. Now, when you don't have a tight end and you go back to the running game, that's going to hurt you. With a first down and goal, two Pollard runs gained very little and an incomplete pass to Wayne Capers brought on fourth down. Capers thought that he was interfered with, but it was not called. What did you think on that play, Tony? I thought it was interference, but, you know, it was close. It was close. You know, it, it could have gone either way. With 3.36 remaining, the Steelers went for the touchdown and they were looking for a tie game, which was kind of smart because you have Joe Montana. You don't want to be down four. Malone dropped back and pumped once, pumped twice, and threw incomplete to Stallworth in the center of the end zone. But as the ball fell to the turf, Tony... So did a little yellow flag, Eric Wright. He had a hold of number 82's arm, and it was now first and goal at the one. On the first play, Blake Wingle jumped off sides, and the Steelers were marching backwards to the six. It only gave Malone room to find Stallworth in the right corner of the end zone over the Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott. With a point after good from Gary Anderson's toe, the score was 17-17 with 3.21 to go in this football game. But Tony, the problem remained. Number 16, the presence of Joe Montana. He was the king of the comeback, and he had the ball at the 29 with 3.03 remaining. Weapons like Dwight Clark, Roger Craig, Wendell Tyler, Russ Francis, the list goes on and on, Earl Cooper, man, the Steelers were in trouble. What were you thinking watching this game now and back then? Well, I was thinking, well, you know, it's, it's, it's Joe Montana. He's, the, he's the, the cool comeback kid. He was going to take him down field to kick at least a uh, try at least a field goal. That's what I was thinking at the time. Uh, that's what you want if you're a 49ers fan. If you're, if you're Bill Walsh, you want the ball in, in Joe Montana's hands, but a chance to win on the final drive. And it looked like it would be the final drive of the game with 321 left. On the first play, Joe threw a screen pass to Craig for a gain of 14. A nice run by Tyler was negated by a holding penalty on the center who had a hold of the great Gary Dunn, one of my all-time favorite players. That error led to Montana having a drop back to pass on a first and 20. Number 16 surveyed the field, 
and he was dealing with pressure from Mike Merriweather, number 57. So he tossed it along the right sideline near midfield. But number 53, the man from Oregon, Brian Hinkle, who had an interception the week before against Miami in that 31-7 loss, he made a leaping interception, Tony, returned it 45 yards down to the three-yard line where he was tackled by Joe Montana. (laughs) What an amazing play. When I watched this, I was like, wow, this kid could jump. Yeah, I remember that Hinkle had the interception on this uh, in this game, but I didn't realize how athletic it was. It was it was a really uh, fantastic one-handed catch, and and also the return was was huge too. The return of forty-five yards to set the offense up for a, a game-winning score, a possible game-winning score. It was just a, a a big play by by Hinkle, maybe one of the biggest plays of the season for the Steelers. Without a tight end, though, Tony, remember Kalajewski's out. Ouija Thompson, number eighty-seven. Another rookie, he was from Florida State. He came into play the position of tight end. The Steelers could not convert, though, as Elkin got nailed again. Tunch Elkin, one of the great all-time Steelers on that offensive line, he had a terrible game. It was his fourth penalty of the game. Now from the eight-yard line, the Steelers, they stayed with the run, and they tried to strip San Francisco of all of their timeouts. Malone got down to the four on a keeper and the Niners took their last time out with 145 left in the game. Here comes Gary Anderson, who was not in the midst of his greatest season, Tony, but he comes on and hits a 22 yarder in the swirling winds for a 20 to 17 lead. Wow. The Steelers have a lead, but it's Joe Montana, Tony. There's 136 remaining from the 25 and out he comes. All they need is a field goal. And you know the magic from this guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why uh, a touchdown would have, would have been preferable because you know, even though it was 1984 and, and the rules were different, you, they still only needed a field goal. So it was, it was kind of a, at that time, it felt like a, a lost opportunity to not score seven after the, uh, the big Hinkle play in return. Looking for redemption, Montana came out with 136 remaining from the 25. Once again, Montana threw to Clark for 13 yards, then to Earl Cooper twice for a first down at the 46-yard line. A pass to Roger Craig and a tackle by Lambert inbounds kept the clock moving. Yeah, Jack Lambert, he was having problems with that turf toe, and this was going to be his last season, but he was a warrior out there making a lot of plays and staying in this game, Tony. It was good to see number 58 out there. It's actually weird for me because uh, when I think of 1984, I always think of David Little. Uh, you know, I think of that's the year that Lambert missed a lot of time, but it, it almost seemed like he was he was uh, playing too late in 1984 in my memory because I, I just think of Lambert of the 70s and, uh, and those Cowboys games. So it was it was weird to me seeing him in this game because I don't remember seeing him playing in, in 1984 at all. He made his presence known, and that was a big stop there to keep it moving. Now, on the next two plays, Montana found Earl Cooper on the exact same play on the sidelines next thing you know they're down to the 20 yard line time's running out they bring out ray wershing he comes in for a 37 yard attempt but it went wide left tony the san francisco fans were absolutely shocked the steelers knelt on the ball the upset happened it was glorious tony it was absolutely glorious for this 12 year old Oh yeah, me too. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I, it's one of those games that 
has stayed with me for 37 years now. And we're, we're in 2021. That was 1984. Looking back on it, I mean, I, they, they were that close to, to being the second undefeated team in the modern era. But the Steelers, they, uh, a team that, that, that was struggling, that was trying to uh, regain its old glory from the 70s. And yet they found, they found a way to win this game and, and put one little blemish on the uh, 49ers record that year. And, and, and in many ways, it was Chuck Knoll's best coaching job post Super Bowl. It was uh, at least in the regular season. Yes, I agree with you on 1984. I'll throw in 1989 in there as well for that magical year, both nine and seven teams. Now, the Steelers make the playoffs. They had a chance to have a rematch with the 49ers, but it fell short on January 5th of 1985 as they lost in the AFC Championship game. Valiant effort against the Miami Dolphins. They were in that game for a while. But this will go down in history as one of my all-time favorite teams just for the heart and moxie. And when I think of heart and moxie, I think of this 1984 team. Absolutely love it. Now, I got to tell you this. I remember exactly where I was standing when Ray Wershing missed that kick. My parents had a little store at the time. They were open on Sunday for a special promotion. They weren't usually open on Sundays. I was in my football equipment. I had a game that day for the American Outfitter Eagles of the Geistown Richland Pee Wee Football League. I was a 80-pound nose tackle <laughs> and, and, and a receiver that never had the ball thrown to him, but maybe twice. But I got to tell you, Tony, I'm standing there in my equipment watching on a little black and white TV in my mom's office. And I'm standing there with my best friend, Dave, who I'm still best friends with to this day. And we're watching this game. And it was just, we couldn't believe it. We're like, this, these are the Niners. They're undefeated. They're going to come back. The Steelers are going to fight. They're not going to win. And we sat there stunned and we're jumping up and down screaming. And it just felt right. And this was probably the first game that I remember being very invested in to the point where I was, I really felt it. I feel like my fandom, which started earlier, but I felt like it was cemented that day, Tony, with this win, 20 to 17 over the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, 1984, to me, it's one of those years, I've said this in the past, that you know, so many memories, it felt like it happened yesterday. And I remember where I was when, when, when Wershing missed a field goal. And I remember his reaction to this day. I didn't even need to see it on, on, uh, on the internet the other day. His reaction of, of jumping up and down and, 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 cause he knew right away that he missed it. I, I, I remember seeing that and thinking he must be happy that he made it, but no, he was happy or he was mad that he missed. And, and, and it was the Steelers who were jumping up and down because they were happy. So I remember that like it, like it happened yesterday. That's why we do the retro show. This, this is just so much fun for us to go back in time. We have so much content on BTSC about the future of the Steelers, and we are going to continue to have that every single day. But sometimes you got to go back in time to feel really good. So thanks so much, Tony, for sharing this day with me. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun. And I think this is a great example for any Steeler fan out there that you can, you can garner great memories from a season that doesn't go all the way. I mean, if you know there's only so many of those so i mean you know it's all about the journey and not and not the destination and and 1984 was one heck of a journey for me yes it was now next week we are going to go back in time to 1976 to the playoffs when the steelers were in baltimore not facing the ravens the ravens were not going to be in existence for 20 years but the colts in that beautiful 
Memorial Stadium, that old gem of a place with the trees in the background and the snow. We're going to go to the playoffs with that 1975 team, but it will be 1976 because it was January that year. And we are going to talk about that game next week. But thanks so much for spending this time with us. I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite days of the week when I get to jump in the black and gold DeLorean and go back in time. For Tony Defio, I'm Brian Anthony Davis for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You can take us away. We don't mind. But you better promise us that we will be back in time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.